I don't even know what to say to start this podcast right now. We have two of the most inspirational bad motherfuckers on the planet sitting here on the Warrior Poet Podcast at this epic historic day for On It, the grand opening of the gym. This it's kind of like the Fellowship of the Ring, you know. It's right. just like alliance, <laughs> like we're bringing in people from all the corners of the globe right. to gather at this one moment yeah. in time. Welcome, Mike Dolce, my good friend, Thank Sean you. Stevenson, my new friend, all right, man. to this Thank podcast. You, man. And I thought having you both here, both of you have been on the, you know, the Total Human Optimization podcast and we talk a lot about nutrition and we talk a lot about performance of the body. But there's an aspect I know that all of us really are interested in and that's a little bit more of the spiritual aspect, not only the food that we have, but how that plays into you know, totally optimizing your life, being a balanced human. Yeah. And uh, you know, we, we all have very similar philosophies about where our food is sourced and what the energy that's put into that and how that translates to getting put in the body. So, so I guess I kind of want to start, you know, when you guys are, you both work with a lot of different clients, you know, how, when do you kind of broach that subject mm. with them? Do you kind of come out of the gate with them <laughs> with that? Because we've all talked about that, but yeah. it might kind of get people like, hey, what are you talking about? Well, my tactic is I, I sneak the good guys under the door, you know, yeah. just get the food in them first and then kind of, you know, leading with conventional stuff, you know, and just kind of ninja tacticing the, the, uh, the good stuff in there, you know, as far as spirituality. Because for me, the whole practice of eating is very spiritual. You know, mm -hmm. it's like you're taking something from outside of here and putting it in you. You know, it's the most intimate thing in the world. You know, it's so powerful. And so just getting high quality food and things that have been grown with integrity into people's body, they immediately start to change. Mm -hmm. They immediately start to become more open. So to they'll ideas. be more open to that message yeah, exactly. after the food already gets in. Exactly. Absolutely. I take a very similar approach. Some of my clients are meatheads, hardcore meatheads. They don't want to hear anything about spirituality. They just want to talk about, you know, fucking abs and getting ripped and kicking ass. <laughs> so I, I take that type of tactic yeah. like you and I like what you said, you know, it's kind of slide the good guys under the door. I don't mention anything. I talk right. about their abs. I tick the boxes that they want to hear. And as we slowly transition, I notice that they make a change. They, they all, they philosophically, they change. They feel amazing and different things in their life. And I think as the toxins come out of their body, right. their soul becomes more receptive to this type of conversation. As we all discuss, I mean, it's the, the sourcing of the ingredients. Right. You know, what we talk about is the earth-grown nutrients, things that have sustained all of life on the planet since the dawn of time. And you start to talk to these athletes or clients about that stuff and they see it, they can understand it because they're actually experiencing it in the moment. Now, some people, if, if they listen to this podcast right now, they've never tried it and they're following the macro program, they're you know pumping drugs into their body and they're mm -hmm. doing that stuff they're gonna listen to us like we're a bunch of you know <laughs> tools <laughs> very, very, yeah. but they don't know how enlightened we are and right. you know we we've done this we've lived this yeah definitely. We, you can feel yeah you can feel that difference i know another thing just to to make that point even further there's a, a great liver cleanse that i go to every once in a while out in sedona and that's really all they talk about is mm -hmm. this liver cleanse well mm -hmm. And doing it so it's basically raw food day one raw food day five juices and smoothies to kind of keep things going but really lighter on the food as you go through yeah. cleansing out and then the final day they give you uh like kind of like an olive oil the flush oil. Yeah. to get yeah, the, get the gallbladder that, to, to yeah. fire away but you end up you know so you have that kind of die-off feeling where the candida and the starved you know parasitic organisms in your body mm -hmm. are like where's my sugar where's my <laughs> alcohol where's my chemicals and they right. start to die so you feel shitty for a little while but as this is happening, you just feel lighter and lighter right. and lighter. And then they just kind of slide in this 
these opening practices, these breathing mm-hmm. practices, other things right. to enhance the spiritual aspect of it because that's gonna be happening naturally with the liver cleanse. Right. I mean, the liver cleanse is this kind of backdrop of getting these toxins out. And then all in doing that, you know, you just get lighter and lighter and lighter and more receptive. Right. Yeah. You know, I've, I've done, I don't even know, an absurd amount of cleanses over the years, you know, and just, it's so interesting that every spiritual, like major spiritual text has something about fasting yeah. in there. A lot of the great teachers, they would say, I won't even talk to my students right. unless they're coming off a 30-day right. fast. Right. It's a level of like mastery that. as well. Right. In, in our world today, it's like it's an essential practice because we're bombarded with stuff, you know, that's never been seen before in human history, you know. So doing like a liver cleanse like that. So a liver and gallbladder flush. Mm-hmm. I've seen thousands of little, you know, these little stones come out of my own system. Yeah. And I'm somebody who was eating pretty good for 10 years. Just God knows what would come out of, you know, somebody else. And of course, me being a scientist, I use a strainer and I would catch these things and then look at you them. You just filter in your own shit. Yeah, oh, that's commitment. It's pretty. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. And of course, and, and he me, says a strainer. He was in there with his hands. He was, he was like, he was like panning. He was like panning for gold in there. Come on, baby. baby. Show 49ers. me those nuggets. <laughs> so, but just having that practice and and it's like for now. Also, you take that with you. You know that skill to be able to just stop. Like today, you know, I was on multiple flights. I don't have to eat. And the funny thing is I feel better. You know, I don't get sick. I get grounded. I, and that's another thing I want to talk about, too, definitely today is like grounding yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that's really important. But we can come back around to that. But that, that practice of cleansing, it's a, it's a mastery of yourself. You know, you get in touch with that other voice, you know. And even scripturally, it's like um, when I, I, I look back and I was curious about lexicon, you know, like the word Satan, right? Mm-hmm. And the Aramaic translation of the word is crazy thoughts, basically, right? So in that time when he's doing like the 40 days and 40 nights whole scenario, he's got this crazy thought that'll come up like, dude, go turn that bread in, that stone into bread, or go jump off that cliff. Yeah. It just sounded like some crazy shit we'll think of, you know? And he was just like, get behind me, crazy thoughts. Get behind me, Satan. And it's through that process of cleansing and, and starting to hear that voice more clearly, making that distinction that that's not me. Yeah. You know, and I can choose something else, you know, likening that out of the religious context to the parasite in our mind. You know, that voice, exactly, yeah. that voice in our head that has that is, as Stephen Pressfield describes, it tries to keep us from going to that higher plane, whatever that may be. It could be in sports. You know, I'm right. sure your your fighters have to deal Absolutely, with that. Absolutely. I mean, day. when how how during that process, because you're with them pretty intimately, you know, so you take some people and, you know, getting them on the Dolce diet, which is that you know, clean, earth-grown, nutrient diet approach that I'm sure everybody here knows about. That's almost a cleanse in itself for some people. You know, mm, like, right. like just having that food, like a whole food change is, is a cleanse. Absolutely. Know? Their bowels start to clear up all that. But then, you know, at some point, where do you start with your fighters in particular, where do you start to hear that, that resistance voice come in, you know? Resistance to the lifestyle change? Resist, yeah, that kind of, that counterforce that's it's, in our own heads, you know? It, in the beginning, definitely, because all of a sudden I'm talking about organic and wild state and natural and, you know, I'm, I'm getting rid of the pills, the powders, the potions, all the artificial sweeteners and dyes and additives, clean that out. The foods that they've been ingesting their whole career that got them to a certain level of success. It becomes like a security blanket. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a very famous athlete, um, he's taking 40 different products, 
40 different products, none of which, not on it products either. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's products that you're buying in, in a GNC and it's very bodybuilding centric. And, you know, we went through each bottle and we said, all right, we're going to replace this with broccoli. And we sat there on the computer and I, I showed why. We went through the ingredients and it was an educational process. And there was a lot of resistance in that conversation, mm. point, counterpoint. And say, hey, let's try it. And if you don't like it, we'll go back. We can, we're not going to throw these out. We're going to keep these in your cabinet. We can always go back. And the next day, it was like, hey, I feel pretty good. This meal's good. And then talking about, you know, going number two, using the restroom. It was like, oh, my God. Like, mm -hmm. I feel, I can't believe how many times I went today. I feel amazing. As we know, the body's now eliminating a lot of these toxins that are built up. And then soon, you know, I, I know the bowel movements, a lot of my clients, it's, you know, I get a text message and, you know, things like that. And I understand. And is I, it, is isn't it, it interesting a photo how some message people, or is it a text message? No, those are my buddies. <laughs> isn't it interesting how some people think that's a problem? It is. You know? Because they're so poisoned their whole life. They're used to it being... Right painful and very right. solid but and once, odd colors once every week or something and when you go it's like an event you know you it's like, like a birthing right yeah <laughs> you're supposed right. to go frequently you know but some people yeah and i'm sure you saw that like man i'm going so much your body's clean cleaning Cleaning house. out that's it ah you know, so we try and again by introducing this style of eating, and it becomes a lifestyle. It's it's food first, and I tell you know my, my clients, if you can control what you can eat, you can control every other situation in your life. Absolutely, mm -hmm. and we understand that. And people, I think, they understand the concept, but not the application until they've actually applied it, and they realize once that they can determine, I'm not going to go to Subway. I'm not going to eat off the donut cart like everybody else here. I'm going to hand prepare my own foods. I'm going to go to the grocery store, the, the farmer's market. I'm going to locally source the ingredients that I feed myself and my family. It becomes very empowering. Then you can crack open the books. You can take an extra class. You can find more time to spend with the kids. You can do all the other little things in life that you thought you didn't have time for because you've built this new power, this new strength or the ability to form new healthy positive habits. And that energy that comes with it, you know, yes. not just being exhausted. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think that so many people you meet are just like almost clinically exhausted. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like they're just going by, just getting by by whatever they can. Stuff to wake them up, stuff to make them go to sleep. And it's just so far, far away from that natural state right. of, of thriving. It's also right. exciting, though, because people don't know how good they can feel, you know, because mm -hmm. they're just kind of in that lull. But it's also exciting because we've made like spaceships and like iPads on vending machine consciousness. Yeah. You know? So it can only get better, man. And it's so yeah. exciting once we get people onto this stuff, man, and see and see what happens. Even as far as athletics, it's amazing just to see what's coming next. Cause we did all this, like I said, vending machine consciousness. But also, you know, I think that goes back to I, I think fasting and I literally just thought of this in this moment. This is some new shit. Groundbreaking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lay it on us. Why is it called fasting? You know, like I think it's like a fast track to you having that kind of mastery and to be able to discern that voice in your head telling you, no, I can't do this, or, mm -hmm. or the voice in your head telling you uh, to go and crush those bag of Doritos or whatever the case may be, for you to have that separation, you know, that it's not you. It's like a faster way to upgrading that internal intelligence, I guess. I like that. That was, uh, there was a really interesting moment the last time I was down in Peru and doing one of my ayahuasca journeys. And I was able to really separate my consciousness from the animal that is me, mm. you know, and it really pay attention even when I was eating. Like I had this consciousness like at a certain point, you know, and to me, I, I it seemed more like a bear than a monkey at that point. Mm. And, and 
just at, at that point, like the the bear, the animal that I was, I was able to notice like at a certain, I eat occasionally compulsively sometimes during the meal. Like if I get stressed or thinking about something else, I'll just start eating fast. I'll stop chewing. Sure. I'll just start devouring. And then I was able even, ever since then to be like, oh, whoa, slow down, bear. Like slow down, slow down, Aubrey. Like chill out, you know, don't get in that natural habit that you can get so locked into with your mind and not even paying attention. And then so when you're, you know, it can go for anything when you're hungry, when you're frustrated, when you're anything, just being able to separate yourself from those processes and be like, hey, it's okay, you know, settle down, settle down. If you're stressed or nervous or anxious, like, it's all right, buddy. Like, know that the animal is separate from your consciousness. And then that allows you to take control of the starship you know, yeah, so to speak, like put yourself back in the captain's seat so you can make these decisions. So it's not just the candida in your stomach demanding more sugar and white bread. And that's why you're out, you know, having panna cotta and, <laughs> yeah. and you know, Texas toast. Yep. You know, so well, you're Texas, actually making the decision. <laughs> man, it's I, I think this is a good uh, segue to meditation, you know, to be able to make that distinction between this and who you really are you know and i i was talking with my client um yesterday who she's like you know i talk with a lot of people about this stuff she's like i've been meaning to do that you know i've been meaning to try that meditation stuff mm-hmm. but it, again i think it's essential it should come in your toolkit today you know but um i i was trying to explain how man i think should teach that in schools yeah and they don't even have to go by any class or have any religious con- right. connotation right i, I don't to even it. call it meditation instead of nap because- time it should just be like breathing quiet time right. or whatever where they yeah. teach you how to control your breath control your thoughts yeah you know, I don't it's even such call an it important that. skill i call it brain training yeah. you know just to make you more approachable and there's so many studies out of harvard you um uc berkeley and i put some of this stuff into my book too and showing how it literally can change your your your, your brainwave state you know because we're in beta right now you can literally just switch over to alpha you're in beta dog <laughs> <laughs> Well, man, I'm just so. straight alpha theta, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but um, man, it's it's so interesting because I was trying to explain how no matter what's going on around me, I still have this space, you know, like this sense of presence, mm-hmm. you know, that nothing can touch, and I'm more responsive than reactive, mm-hmm. you know. I, my entire life, till, till I was probably 22 when I started meditating, just reacting immediately to yep. everything. And I was not in control. And I realized when I started meditating, I had never had like one conscious thought. Yeah. You know, just like. You were asleep. Exactly. And to know that that was me, I can't even imagine how many, you know, billions of people are in the same state. Sleepwalking. Um, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, we're obsessed with these zombie movies and, 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 and TV shows. Yeah, because we're it. It's happening, <laughs> baby. It's right now. And then the process of waking up, I think food is such a cr- crucial part. Yeah. You got to take that care of this gateway. body because. When everything else is, when all that's out of whack, all the whole frequency is off. You're disconnected from the Earth's natural frequency, which yeah. is that 7.83 hertz, the Schumann resonance. You know, disconnected from all that, and you're just not operating on that level. But then, of course, there's other mental practices and things right. as part of the wake up process. But calling it waking up, I think, makes a lot of sense because usually when it happens, it's not like it's all of a sudden you're on for good. It's like you're waking up from real long groggy sleep and you're going to hit the snooze bar a couple times yeah. and you're going to dive back down and you're going to be a little groggy and you're going to nod off. It's like that that two hour when you don't have anything you really have to do in the morning wake up process, you know, and that's yeah. really what it's like. And it's even like that for me, you know, yeah. I'm still I'm still waking up and occasionally I nod back off and 
hit the snooze bar and catch myself. Like, come on, man, you got to get up. Do you believe in enlightenment? I well, <clears throat> I believe that it is possible, and I think that's probably where some of the great, you know, sages of our history that fill up these books, like you know, Siddhartha and Jesus and uh, these different characters, were probably as close to that state as possible and emanated that. And I think maybe even certain people around there can get to that state where of supreme consciousness. Yeah. But I think for most of us, it's going to be a pathway to approaching that just you know like approaching mastery you know you ask a master um and they'll tell you they're a student every time right you know? yeah because oh it's still much more to learn i don't think even the enlightened ones you would yeah. say are you enlightened and they're like no 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 yeah no. still so much more to learn that's what i meant that's what i was hoping you would say too because yeah. that's that's kind of what what's been my experience but from our point like i can call somebody a master mm-hmm. because they've reached exactly. that threshold and yeah. i think i think we could say that dude is enlightened yeah, you know, it's possible, but they would never say it about themselves. Yeah, I like yeah. to think that in the enlightened individuals, they're like they're good at remembering. You know, they're good yeah. at remembering to be present, and mm-hmm. they can catch themselves faster if they fall out of it, or yeah. if they are enlightened, and they kind of live in that maybe. You yeah. know, but Just how do you unflappable. define enlightened? What would be the threshold? I think it would be the point where they didn't have to catch themselves anymore. You know, it would be the point where they were unflappable by like the emotional, the emotional body, the reptilian part of the brain was no longer at all in control, you know, so it was purely consciousness, total awareness, purely consciousness that was running things. So, I mean, you could walk up and slap them and they, it wouldn't cause that emotional reaction, you know, because they were, you know, they were just in a state where they were like, okay you know like everything no matter what no matter what happened they just had mastery of that part of the animal and not Those that they couldn't slap you back true but they would decide <laughs> yeah it would be a choice it would be yeah. a choice not a That's reaction interesting yeah. yeah conscious conscious choice yeah. of everything yeah that they're doing not a reactive choice. yeah and real and that's where you have real free will you know that was another really powerful lesson from my medicine journeys i realized that is if you're afraid and if you're subject to the whims of your emotions which usually are fear-based. I mean, yeah. most of the negative emotions have fear at the root. You don't truly have free will. Something is at mm-hmm. least pushing and pulling you in a certain direction yeah. and causing you, even though you have the illusion of that, something is prodding you one way or another. But at the point of fearlessness, where you're no longer afraid of anything, that is where you actually do have free will. You can decide, what do I want to do? Like, what do I want to birth? What do I want to bring? How do I want to carry myself? How do I want to react to this situation? That's where free will lies at the point of fearlessness. Mm. And that's why in the in the you know mythology of these cultures, the jaguar is a really sacred animal. And the jaguar is sacred to them because the jaguar in the jungle natural state is fearless. It has no known predators. So that's why they hold it in that highest regard, because fearlessness is the gateway to free will and and that kind of form of enlightenment is that a big ass jaguar it's a big ass jaguar yeah. right there at me right now yeah that's, that was made uh made by the shipibo people who are wow it's beautiful. yeah now mike you mentioned something to me in a conversation that we had and it was talking about your fighters when they were going through weight cuts yeah. and you were saying how there's a moment at like the very breaking point of the weight cut where you get to see inside and get to see the real person and connect with them on a much deeper more spiritual level tell us a little bit about that so when we're cutting weight for those that might not be 
aware of how deep this process goes. It's, it's a very spiritual process when done properly. And even if the athlete isn't aware of the spirituality behind it, it's happening. So every fear, every insecurity, every mistake comes to light during this time that the athlete is truly brought to their weakest moment. And in many ways, it's a moment that they're they're stripped away of nutrition to a lot of degrees. So mm -hmm. their brain isn't functioning on full fuel anymore. They're deprived of fluids to a large degree. They're 20 to 30 pounds lighter than they've been, you know, than they should truly be at their healthiest state. So they're very weak and fragile. And during that time is when we become extremely emotional and honest. And I'm blessed with the opportunity to act as a guide in many ways and help guide the athlete through this process. And I call it, it's a purification. It's a pur purification of, of the soul. And when done properly, the athlete comes out much stronger, much more confident as we put back in the proper fluids and the proper foods to take this back to foods again. When we put back in those highly vibrant earth-grown nutrients in their raw, natural state, the athlete immediately, you can see them grow and glow in their skin, in their eyes, and everything just comes back. They look better than they had looked their entire training camp and their confidence, their level of um, confidence again just grows to such a degree. But to be in that moment with them, you know, the athlete is immersed in, in you know, a, a bath of, of water, typically, you know, 100 you know, plus degrees, um, you know, 105 degrees or so. And they've been doing this for the last week and all the media pressure and millions of people are going to be watching them. And they're locked inside a cage with a world champion, Olympic medalist mm -hmm. that's been training their whole life to beat them in that moment. And their mom <laughs> and their wife and their daughter are watching yeah, and, yeah. you know, millions of dollars are on the line. I mean, when you have a, a report due that at school or at work, there's a lot of pressure to give the right report because it's going to be viewed. Now imagine if your report is done in front of millions of people naked, yeah. you know, primarily, and you know, and you're going to get your head kicked in yeah, quite possibly. And touching on that very most raw nerve for every, especially males, and I'm sure for females as well, but every male that getting your ass kicked in front of your girl and plus the world, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, that is like, that is a fear at the very root. I mean, that's when you're talking about enlightenment, that's the last fucking thing to go. That's like, the, oh, that, oh yeah, I still got that motherfucker in the corner there. I'll deal with that one later. Yep. You know, that is like real, really at the root of things. So to, to be in that moment with the athlete, and again, it becomes extremely spiritual. I've seen athletes hallucinate because a lot of toxins are coming out of their body. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen athletes just start talking about moments of their past that they hadn't, almost like psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. Instances of their life have come back to them that they hadn't thought of for decades that come out. There's this, this reawakening of their soul in these moments. And again, it's a strengthening. And I can tell which athletes have been doing the right things during training camp if I haven't been able to be with them or even the year leading up to the training camp because I can see what demons come out. Now, we all have demons. No matter how perfect we try and be as well and good we are to you know our other you know, uh, you know, fellow humans and such, we all have these demons inside. But there's kind of the small, normal demons and then there's the big ones. You know, and I, I say that the athlete 
past the weight cut, when they're sitting back in the locker room, they typically don't think about the thousand things they did correctly. They think about the one thing that they did wrong. And oftentimes that one thing, pulling back on that one sprint, not going to the gym that one day, that sits in their mind as they make the walk out that tunnel and they're standing in the octagon looking across at their opponent. And oftentimes that one thought is what can actually ruin them because they get caught stuck in that position that they didn't scramble out of. They have to take that one deep breath that they gave up on in that one training session. And they immediately go back to that moment and crumble because they lost the confidence. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, it's very special. And I've, you know, gone through this with so many elite athletes, which the pressure is much higher. The magnifying glass is just much more clear of what they're going to and to see and again guide them through the process and it's you know i don't know that i do that much other than i'm i'm there with them and they're not alone in those very fragile moments and then we rebuild back together they're surrounded by their team and their family and we just start putting the layers back on of the people that love them support them care about them no matter what the outcome is and right. let them go out there and just unlock their full potential it sounds like a full-on shamanic role that you have there at that point and, and you know you can say that about most shamans oh they're not really doing that much i mean some are singing and you know whistling and doing a few other things but really it's, it's the presence yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's the presence that makes the biggest difference yeah. it's that energetic unspoken presence you know the words are really superfluous it's holding the space they call it holding the space yeah. Yeah. and that's holding it with your frequency and making sure that you're a clean vessel so that you're not putting out polluting frequency into that space you know because if you came into that and you were aggravated or you were fearful and they're at that raw space where they're cracked wide open yeah. you know that would impact their experience they would take on that because they're so open their armor is off you know so part of the sacred role of what you're doing is just holding that space in the proper way and i think it's shown in the performance of your athletes in this kind of you know, when you get to do that full, when you get to do the full thing and make that full bond with your athletes, it's a it's a special thing to go out there and watch it's, them perform. It's, it's powerful, absolutely. And in that time, there's certain people around them that you know they they kind of they, they ruin the trip. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> they're not on it. Because they're, they're asleep. They're asleep exactly. You know? They're not on the same frequency, and they're you know talking about getting a pizza after this or you know we're all in the hot tub and they're sitting on the ledge looking yeah. at their cell phone they're not in the moment with us and they right. have to be removed from the situation because that disrupts everything that we're trying to accomplish i did write about that a little bit and i see it all too often at the elite level and i think a lot of times that's why athletes underperform so they have these type of disruptions into the, <laughs> the final peaking phase of the process which is it's a terrible, terrible thing because the athlete's the one that's a, they're alone. They're ultimately alone. They're trying to draw strength from those around them, you know, and anything that we can do to help give them that confidence, that little, you know, 0.01%, that just that little extra touch to allow them to go and be them and, and fulfill their potential, win or lose, Yeah, fulfill their potential. It's a special thing to be around any top performer. I've been around fighters, you know, during cuts and before the fights and it's a special moment to just be to be around, especially like before the contest, you know, and, and my friend Bodie Miller is an Olympic skier and, you know, before a downhill race when he knows he's 
there's a good chance that he could die. You yeah. know, they're, they're going 84 miles an hour on a sheet of ice, no pads. It's you insanity. Know, just, just fucking fancy spandex and a helmet. You know, like that's, that, that's all they got. And it's oh, always man. this same thing. It's this kind of heightened sense of things. And yeah. I think, you know, through the work I've done, I'm able to kind of tap into that frequency. And so, you know, it's nice to, to be around them in that moment because you catch that vibe. Right. You know, it's like, whoa there's something there's something special there you yeah. know tears and laughter are just a scratch of the surface away on either side yep. you know mm-hmm. and it's just powerful presence just right there in that moment you know i took so much from from that man i mean i one of the big takeaways that i just got from that is that we should strive to have our external environment match our internal environment yeah especially in those moments of just being so open you know so vulnerable you know because you and we've all seen this before you know when somebody's working to improve their health change their body then they've got the you know the negative minority you know talking shit and saying you know what are you doing come on what are you doing that for let's go get some pizza you know so you're being a little bitch you know (laughs) and the person and 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 what we'll tend to do of course is question ourselves like am i being a bitch (laughs) you know and it, yeah. Or is it worth it? Or I'll I'll get to it later. And that's one of the big things that we have in our culture too. Is that you know Monday syndrome. You know, like I'll start on Monday. Yeah. You know, but I I think we should really strive to do that. And I I've seen this too. You know, again talking about fasting, being when I started this practice, I was still a bachelor. You know, I had my apartment. I was fasting, and all of a sudden, I'm cleaning up my whole fucking house. You know, I'm cleaning my closets yeah. out. Stuff was in like I hadn't seen in two years, and I'm in there cleaning. And I found that I just wanted the environment around me to be cleaner and more open, you know? And it's the strangest thing. It, it was my girlfriend, she's my, she's my wife now, pointed it out when she came over. She's like, what happened here? I was like, I don't know. I just felt like cleaning, <laughs> you know? And we all have that capacity. It's like what we're sharing right now is like giving people the heads up, like no, do that proactively, you know? Cause you can make that transition happen much smoother. And not only, you know, what, you're, what we're all saying is, you know, that's old saying that the maxim as above, so below, as without, so within, you know. Yeah. So like these things have have this yeah. kind of relationship that we have to pay attention to. Yeah. But one of the biggest things for me is, all right, so we have the actual tangible people in our life. But <clears throat> TV is a weird thing, yeah. you know, and we haven't quite been able to differentiate watching something a social situation on tv and watching it in real life because our brains weren't prepared for that so you get into a situation where you have you know real housewives on tv or one of these other fucking nonsensical shows where they're just at the very lowest level of consciousness possible and that is just like this radiation of that that just is permeating but i can't fucking stand it yeah like i start to go get really out of off kilter out of whack when i'm just it's yeah. just like this beating that's coming off of me you know yeah like I a foul understand. odor for my brain or something <laughs> that, that i can't shake yeah. when that's on and i think it that just kind of feeds into that sleep cycle when you're asleep and that vibration maybe feels good for you maybe because it's even lower than yours you know so it's like yeah oh yeah wow. that vibration is even lower so yeah whew, i'm okay you know that's and so it feels comfortable yeah. for a lot of people and but it's really a, a toxic situation in a yeah. lot of in a lot of aspects. And yeah. It's so an talk about now, cleaning man. up your environment. You know, clean up that environment. Right. That's invading. It's not just like oh, I'm going to veg out and get that. You're getting injected with little low level consciousness right. ideas. It's called programming for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. You know. 
Yeah, it's, it's, so, right. it's really, really powerful stuff, man, because like, like you said, you know, the brain doesn't really know the difference, mm -hmm. you know? And so when you're watching this stuff, you're literally training neurons that fire together, wire together. So you're literally training your brain to think in a certain process. And um, there's a part of our brain, the mirror neurons, mm -hmm. right? So social psychology and social, um, there's this new, newly discovered social brain that's now been found out. That's amazing. We never get a house <laughs> the call. The social <laughs> brain must be calling. There we go. <laughs> Interesting. And that, as you say, programming, yeah. that's, you're dead on because it, yeah. it seems to wipe out your conscious thought. Right. And what I've noticed, and we had in my house, we did away with TV for years. Yeah. And then when the UFC got their deal with Fox, I said, hey, you know, I should probably get this Fox channel and FS1 yeah. and all that stuff, which, familiar. which was great. And all of a sudden I get pulled back in and then, you know, my wife and I were sitting in front of a TV and we finally watched like a normal TV show and it goes to commercial and immediately there's a pharmaceutical product. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And we had been away from TV for so long. I was like, wow, it was odd. Like they're actually advertising this on TV. And then goes back to the show, the next commercial break, boom, pharmaceuticals again. And we were like, this is insane. So I started keeping a journal of all the different pharmaceuticals. Wow. Wound up turning a channel and there was another advertisement for a different pharmaceutical all over. So what I started to notice, and we'll you know talk about down the road, you know, talk about programming. It's like now the big corpa, big pharma, big whoever yeah. is understanding that we have a lowered resistance or an opening right. to accept these new messages right. where we look the, with the proliferation now of pharmaceuticals being prescribed, which again, we all know, we look at the incidences of disease, disorder, death mm -hmm. is on the rise oddly at the same time. So we're being crammed these products down our throat while in tune with, with this programming that's you know eliminating our conscious thought, making us feel like we should be acting like everybody on TV. And then there's these products being pushed to us on TV. I'm kind of taking this conversation maybe a little sideways no, here, but I it was mean, even with mind kids, blowing. I mean, that's even more powerful, of course the message is with food as well, but kids up until the age of about seven, they're in a ba they're basically in a theta mental state so everything gets right in you know they mm -hmm. think that every the santa claus that dude is real you know Easter what? Bunny, <laughs> he's, he's coming over i don't Ruin know how he's laying eggs but it's real yep. you know and so they're getting people at a very very young age and it just continues through your adulthood you think you're in control yep. but you're not you know and like i was saying so about the mirror neuron so um it was some scientists in in uh in italy and they were running some experiments and so they hooked the monkey up to like, you know, like EKG and just like these like brainwave, um, brain firing mechanisms, you know, this um, uh, apparatus so that it knows which part of the brains are fi brains firing. And so whenever the monkey would do a certain thing, a certain part of the brain would fire. This is when it got crazy. So whenever the monkey would eat a particular snack, a certain part of the brain would fire like this pleasure center. Mm -hmm. So they had left the gear on the monkey, but they weren't doing any tests. And somebody, a lab assistant, was eating a snack that the monkey would eat. And the brain, monkey's brain was firing as oh. if it was eating. And it was because it witnessed it. Those are the mirror neurons. Yep. Okay, So no matter what you're watching, what you're listening to, there's a part of your brain simulating you doing that thing. Right? All the time. And this is really how kids come to learn. They don't, you don't sit your kid down and like, you know, so this is how you say or this or whatever. They just start doing this stuff. Yeah. You know, like my, my, I have a 14 year old son, I have a three year old son. The three year old is a carbon copy of the 14 year old. He does everything he does. 
you know, and it's because of modeling, because of these mirror neurons. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's like, you really need to take control over what you're exposing yourself to because it becomes a part of you. And I even look at some of the, the cartoons and stuff that are out now versus the cartoons when we had, when mm -hmm. we were growing up, like there, there's these weird kind of counterculture cartoon yeah. phenomenon yeah. that's going in where I so it's see just that super weird. They're like weird <laughs> characters doing weird things, you know, like back in our days, He-Man and Thundercat and right. G.I. Joe. It's pretty straightforward yeah. stuff, you yeah. know? And if you're going to mirror a neuron, you're going to pattern after, you know, Lion-O or somebody, right, right, you know right. I mean? It's like, all right, cool, whatever. Um, but these like part, you know, from the SpongeBob phenomenon oh, to all God, of these other right. things, it's like these really super weird characters. And I'm just wondering is like, is that good for young children? Like, I'm not sure yeah. if that is or if that isn't. I think it's, it's like feeding both ways, you know, it's like the culture looking for that and then, you know, them giving it back as well, you know, because we're, we're in a weird state right now. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the, because same thing, we, we, took the TV out for a long time, yeah. for, for years. And um, something, oh, my, my son's really, really into baseball. You know, and he's playing at a high level. He played up, he's yeah. playing like select baseball and this whole thing. And we went to watch the World Series. So we got the cable on. So I sw this was just a couple months ago, yeah. man. So I'm sitting there witnessing this, because I hadn't seen it. I swear to God, I haven't seen a reality show since Flavor of Love. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought about Flavor that. Flavor of Love was pretty good. <laughs> For real. Yeah. But no, so I haven't seen one since, I don't know how long ago that was, maybe eight years ago. And so I'm sitting there and I'm watching and I see those uh, advertisements for pharmaceuticals come up yeah. over and over. And I'm sitting there with my 14 year, year old, he knows what a flaccid boner is. You yeah. Know? yeah. And they're just like, if you've he, had He's this 14, problem, he doesn't know shit about a no, flaccid boner. No, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> he knows the Don't theory. Don't fool yourself, Sean Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> well, he knows about sex. And it's kind of awkward that they're talking about this problem, yep. you know, that um, you just would never see this before, you know? And, and here's the interesting, like when you were talking about it, on all these commercials, they say, ask your doctor. They literally program you say, yep. ask your doctor about it. Yep. And what's he gonna say? <laughs> Here's a prescription. Cause right. he's got some blazing hot 11 out of 10 chick who's on pharmaceutical sales reps coming in. Hey doc, right. you know, yep. exactly. My company's willing to offer you this and this if your sales for this pharmaceutical matches. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, where do I sign on that it's shit? It's just how the system's built, man, yep. you know. But there's a lot of, of course, there's a lot of good people out there doing work, but at the same time, you know, the system is built for, for you know, it's the FDA, Food and Drug Administration. Yeah. You know, food is making us sick. Yep. And we take the drugs and everybody's getting paid off of it. The drugs you will know. keep us alive long enough to buy more food. Yeah. And the cycle exactly. continues. As I mean, there's, there's a good place for that. You know, and I just saw it happen. You know, my, my partner, my girlfriend had a kidney infection. And we were able to go to this really awesome hospital. And she got the right an intravenous antibiotics mm -hmm. and, you know, if it was back in the day, that probably would have killed her. Wow. Yeah. You know, that would have been, it was serious enough that that would have been it. But with the right care and, you know, and the right tests and the right everything, you can knock it out. But then you look at some of this other stuff out there. Like I was watching this show that um, Anthony Bourdain was doing. I don't I forget which one it was. Um, but he went back to where he was from in Boston and he, he had a heroin addiction. And so they were talking about that back in the day. They were talking about that and they showed an old Oxycontin commercial because they were saying that basically Oxycontin helped exacerbate this phenomenon because it was getting people addicted to opiates and then just kind of tying that whole thing in. And the old Oxycontin commercials were saying, 
only one out of every thousand people has shown signs of addiction. This is not addictive, blah, blah, blah. Just fucking rubbish. Mm, rubbish. You know, and all, and that's, and they talked to some of the mm-hmm. doctors and like, look, this is what they told us. This is the data that they had. Yeah. We're programmed to look at the data. And if the data shows something positively, it's not like the doctors are meaning, you know, ill, yeah. just that the data that being presented to them due to publication bias and whatever else points them in a certain direction. The yeah. system supports it. And then you get this, you know, worldwide crisis right. on something like OxyContin because it started off with this, you know, kind of bullshit reasoning. They've had to retract and some other things have come up because obviously people know it's addictive now. But yeah. those early commercials in the mm-hmm. early 90s, How often crazy. does that happen with the company has to retract oh, yeah. after they made a few hundred million, yeah. billions of dollars, right? Yeah. Yeah. They know. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe, you know, and I, they, they know they're smart people. They're extremely smart people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Smart enough to put this drug together, smart enough to market it, sell it, package it in the manner that sounds safe. And then lo and behold, oh, it wasn't quite as safe as we said. So we'll offer a minor retraction. We're going to sell you a different drug that's better than that last drug that we sold you. Yeah. yeah. People you know, need to be aware there's always multiple lawsuits going on. Yeah. Always at all times, you know. Um, there was one recently I talked about on my show for depression, actually, and there's this huge lawsuit going on. It was like a um, 200, and this was just in one state, like 250 uh, cases of severe birth defects because of the women being on uh, antidepressant medication, you know, and they didn't, they didn't make it clear enough that this was not appropriate if you're pregnant, you know. But the thing is, if it's not appropriate when you're pregnant, when is it appropriate, yeah. right. you know? It's just crazy, man. It's it's really, we've gotten so far away from what's real and natural, you know. And um, I just had, <laughs> in talking about earlier when you were like, um, you know, the FDA and people still coming back and kind of doing the same thing over again. I just had Kelly Starrett on the show uh, from uh, San Francisco CrossFit. It's a brilliant guy. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about, he brought the fact of how resilient the human being is. Like... We can be like that and still live to 80 or 90 years old, you know? It's crazy. We've built up like this internal callus where we can like just smash McDonald's and and Pizza Hut and take drugs and we still make it, you know? It's so interesting to see that resiliency, but then it's just like, for me, I'm always looking, I guess I'm a serial optimist sometimes, you know? But um, how much better can it be when we get people on yeah, the Yeah, what's stuff? the quality yeah. of life on your exactly. way Exactly. I once tried to convince my parents when I was super young that I could survive on these little peanut butter crackers, you know, with like two <laughs> wafers right. with peanut butter and milk yeah. and orange juice. And we had a long debate. And they're like, no, you can't survive on that. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I could survive on it. They're like, <laughs> okay, I guess you could survive on right. it. Yeah. But, but you're going to feel like crap. And I was like, okay, I can take that. Right. Like, I get that. <laughs> you know, but that's what most people are doing. They're surviving. Like, what right. do you need? Well, I guess you need enough nutrients to survive. If that's your goal, if you're setting the bar that low, go for it. Right. You know, but if you want to set the bar a little higher, if you want to access what you're capable of, that higher consciousness, birth in what only you can birth into this world, your unique set of skills, you know, the footprint, fingerprint that you'll leave on this planet, contributing to this you know, combined dream that we're all living, then you might want to try a different approach. Right. You know, otherwise it's going to all be in that gray, sixty percent, fifty percent, forty percent of what you're actually capable of. And I'm pretty sure that when you cross over to the other side and you put in one of those scores, like 
okay, this is what I was capable of, and this is where I came in, somewhere around mm-hmm. 54. You're like, shit, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> you know, and I'm pretty sure you get another chance. <laughs> you get another crack at it. Right. You know, you'll forgive yourself, but why not do it now? You know, Absolutely. why not yeah. when, you're, when you're passing over that threshold, crossing over to that other side, you know, you get there and you're like, damn, I did it. I you know? did that. I drank the juice from this planet and I gave so much more back. I brought everything that I possibly could and left it out there. And the ripples will keep going on through family, through the people we've touched and just watch how that that has changed that. And you can just sit back and I imagine that satisfaction is is second to none. You know, connected back with source and looking back on what you did is saying, all right. Yeah. And we all have that chance. Absolutely. We can decide it. So, so, what would you say to people right now? You know, both of you guys are really inspirational people and we got to wrap this up. Um, give them a little piece of advice. Give them a little motivation to get on that path and and do what they're capable of. For me, I'm going to say you got to start now. Start today. The whole wait till Monday, wait till January 1st to start making this active change. That's bullshit. You need to start right now with this very next choice, very next decision. You can choose to change your life immediately. And it doesn't have to be perfect and it will never be perfect. I'm certainly not perfect. I'm still trying to find my way, but I keep actively trying to make better choices, more informed choices, choices that will take me one step closer to my ultimate goal, whatever my personal goals are. But it has to be now because if it's not now, then when? And I know in my practice, all too many people that they've been spinning their wheels for 20, 40, 60 years, and then the clock runs out. So if you don't start now living the life that you were given, the life that you truly could, maximizing your potential, optimizing your potential, well, then what the fuck is the point of it? Mm-hmm. You know, get out of the way because you're dragging the rest of us down, mm-hmm. you know, to, to truly, you know, you offer really nothing except a drag on your family, a drag, you know, on your friends, drag on your workers, you, your, your coworkers. You're sending a poor example, and you're the one that's saying, "No, oh, come on, let's eat the pizza. Don't be a little bitch. Come on with us to the bar." Everyone's at the bar. Well, fuck that. I don't want to be get at the bar poisoning myself in a smoky room, you know, dumping alcohol down my throat. I want to be doing other more meaningful things with my day in my life. So, long-winded way, start now. Yeah, get it done. For me, you know, like I said, I'm a big student of lexicon, so I want to know the deeper meaning of things whenever possible. And the word decision is from the Latin day, meaning from, and kaidir, which means to cut. So when you make a real decision about something, you're cutting away any possibility of anything but that thing that you decided happening. You know, you cut away any possibility of failure. So when someone truly makes a decision to stop smoking, it's not a fucking option anymore. Like, you just don't (laughs) smoke. You didn't count, you know, I've been 60 days smoke-free. You're just a non-smoker. You've cut away that possibility. And so what I encourage people to do is make a real decision. And when you do that and start to understand how powerful you are, like, you know, everybody listening, you know when you really want something, nothing can stop you. You know, but usually it happens when our back is against the wall. You know, we've got to get a certain amount of money to help a family member. Desperation. Yes, that's the catalyst. And then you can see how you can rise to the occasion. Do it because, you know, inspiration. because it's your opportunity, you know, exactly. And I- I- inspiration in spirit, you know, it's in the spirit of this time. It's in the spirit of this opportunity for you to have this human experience. You know, it's, it's happening right now. And by the way, when you make that decision and you start to take part 
and, and acting on the thing that you really want, you're going to be met with challenges. It is part of the deal. But here's the good news. There's two ways of approaching it. Choice number one is going back to that reactive mind and using and, and misusing the power of your mind, which is asking disempowering questions. Why is this happening to me? Why won't anybody help me? Because your brain is designed to answer those questions. So when the challenge comes up, ask a better question. What is this, what is this here to teach me? What quality is this trying to develop in me? And what you're going to find is that each one of these challenges, they're, they're, they're helping something that's dormant in you, a quality, a characteristic, a skill that you need to have that thing you want. It, it's helping to really propel that and to make it a part of who you are. You know, it's developing your character. So my parting shot is make a real decision. Cut away any possibility of not having that thing. And you know how powerful you are. And when the challenges come, just smile because it's helping you to become that person that you need to become to have that thing. Beautiful. And I guess the last thing that I would add is just to know it can be so fucking good. Like It can be so yeah. good. You know, like sometimes we forget how fucking good it can be. Yeah. And making these choices are those small steps to get in there. I mean, this is the most magnificent playground we could ever imagine to be in this life. I mean, what we can taste and feel and touch and love, the relationships we can have. You know, being able to sit around this table right now. This can happen in your life in any other way. You know, surrounding yourself with this positivity where it just meets and multiplies and grows. You know, the first step, you know, make these decisions. Start now and do that and forgive your old self. Forgive those transgressions of your past. That's not you once you make that decision anymore. You know, forgive the smoker. You know, if you decide to not, sm not smoke anymore, you're a non-smoker now. Let that old thing go. Don't let that baggage weigh you down in the future. Forgive that completely. You know, there's an old Hawaiian idea and it's called Ha'aponopono. And it's this radical forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And you say these four things to your old self or to anything that you want to release. You say, thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And let it go. Boom. You yeah. say those four things and it's done. It's over. You're a new person and you're out to seek that really fucking good shit that's possible in your life. Awesome. Amazing. And that's it. I fucking love you guys. Love you, <laughs> this brother. <is> great. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank back, you, man. Lando, for holding it down over there. <laughs> yep. We got an exciting day, exciting weekend ahead. And uh, thanks for everybody for tuning in. Much love. And we're all. Happy to be a service. You can find, of course, Mike Dolce in a variety of ways. The Dolce Diet, Sean Stevenson, the Sean Model Podcast. You know where to find us. I'll put out the links. <laughs> Anything else you guys want to add? No, I was happy to be here, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah, For sure. Appreciate the opportunity, man. For sure. Much love, everyone. Peace.